0: This is Faith Revisited.
1: Welcome to the podcast.
0: On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith Revisited podcast. Thanks so much for joining us
0: today. Molly, everyone is so excited to hear your voice back.
1: <laughs> hello, We've hello. Done enough interviews
0: lately. It is so great to be back with you.
1: Well, your interviews have been great, but yes, it is good to get together and chat and catch up and, you know, talk to our community again.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are we going to talk about today?
1: Ben and I have been playing with the idea and talking back and forth about what it means to be an adult, what priorities change when you become an adult, how you know you become an adult, just different goals around that. So that's what we're going to focus on today, right, Ben?
0: Yes. Now, part of that is I've been going through a midlife crisis probably for the last Year or so, because I've turned 40. Yes. Which means that I am no longer young clergy, young pastor, or young anything. I'm in midlife. Now you're still young. Uh, I mean, I'm in, young
1: mid-30s. As- I'm in my mid 30s. I'm in my mid 30s. So I definitely am beyond the 20s life
0: phase. Yes. Not as young as when I met you, but Correct. yes. You, you're But you're still on that younger end. So, but for listeners who either are in our age range or even older, maybe they can laugh at some of the lessons going, ha, 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 ha. You know, <laughs> If only people. they knew. I know. And maybe, and maybe there's listeners a tad younger who are going to say, oh boy, you know, you may not register today, but in a few years, I remember a podcast when somebody talked about that, but somewhere in the mix of all of that, I thought it'd be fun to just talk about like, you know, there's that whole term, you know, everyone talks about, oh, adulting, yeah. adulting. It's so hard, you know, all this adulting. That's funny, and memes are great, and reels, and all stuff, but like, what does that really mean on a deeper level, and what yeah. are we learning yeah. in the process? I thought we could share a few minutes on some areas of life and what we're learning.
1: Yes, that sounds great. So uh, we've broken it apart into six different categories that we're going to touch on, and we'll see what we get through. Um, let's start with family, and this also means children, because we both have children now. So yes, what are some-
0: We have kids in different age ranges. I have an 11 year old and a six year old. And I have a one and a half year old. So I'm in toddler babyhood. So for listeners, just know this is the range depending on where your kids are in the spectrum. It goes from about the middle school to toddler. Yes. Um, And everything in between. And let me just
1: say to start this out, when we talk about adulting, you know, I did wait, quote unquote, a little bit later to have kids. I was well out of my 20s when I had my first child. Um, I still don't feel like I have like who gave me permission to be a mother. Like, I don't know enough about any (laughs) of this stuff, but it did hit me last week. I was standing in Publix and I was like, you know what? I need to buy popsicle molds because I think this summer Trent would really like to have like juice popsicles. And I sat there and I like ordered it on Amazon. So it'd be there tomorrow. And then I bought juice and some fruit and stuff at the grocery store. And I was like, wow, like this is the first, this was a realization that like, wow, I'm a mother. Like I thought of this whole thing because it's something I think he would enjoy. Uh, It was a random realization because most of the time it's just survival mode but it was a moment of like oh my goodness like I am a mother I this is adulting um turns out he doesn't really care for pop schools but you know it is what
0: it is one day (laughs) For, for for parents of very young children and I wish I had done this more so I'm gonna be the old parent here it it can be a fun exercise to go back. And, and one of the things I do with my journal, I I have a stack of journals. um, For those who can't see me, I'm pointing to Molly on zoom uh, uh, in a bookshelf. And I look back, where was I today a year ago, two years ago, Mm -hmm. three years ago, for parents go back on your social media and and into your pictures and look at what, you know, your pictures, pre-kids and then post-kids and see the evolution in you like even down to you know look at this was on a friday night and look at what a friday night looked like three years ago and you yeah. know we were out at the food truck park and and we're much Trenton. more
1: exhausted now we just look yeah yeah, yeah. At this,
0: at this one we look exhausted and we're you know at home or go back on your amazon order oh history. goodness yeah and it just look at what you used to order versus what you order now. Yeah. It's so fun.
1: Yeah, it is neat. Um, I definitely having a kid really propelled me into adulthood, I felt like. And I've accomplished a lot. And like I have a business, I <laughs> bought a house, you know, I've owned cars. It's you know, it it's just crazy how being responsible for a tiny human puts things into perspective. Yeah. So um, that's where I'm at. I'm learning every day what it means to adult with my family and having a toddler that I'm trying to rear into this world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The kid thing will, uh, I think it's the lack of sleep that, um, <laughs> that, that propels and, or accelerates some of that aging. Um, mm-hmm. but the kid thing definitely will for me, it it is a, it is a change to begin the process of giving your children to the world mm. because when they're toddlers and babies, they need you for everything. Yeah. And as exhausting as it is, it, it's absolutely wonderful and gratifying because you can, you can fail at a lot of things in life. But for most of us who are healthy and, you know, have the wherewithal to be competent parents. hmm you can at least meet the needs of your child. You can keep them clothed, keep them fed, keep them changed, you know, keep them from breaking their neck when they start climbing on things like mm-hmm. like hey, okay, we can do that. Um and then you begin to do things like take them to school and leave them. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I wish I had handy a poem I heard once that's just gut-wrenchingly beautiful, but it's about a father who watches his daughter go to school and somewhere in the poem, he says so beautifully, he connects this notion of the daughter getting further away with how small her frame begins to look and how frail she looks in the world. Mm. And it's all because she's getting further away. Yeah. Um, So for Olivia, she is 11 going on 21 and she 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 has not only a personality she has likes dislikes she has a secret life you know that pre-teens mm-hmm. you, you she has a life that her parents don't know about like you yeah. know everything right now that Trent does yeah. and most things she has a secret life yeah. of texting and friends and conversations yeah. and inside jokes all of that um and all of it is a preparation for the hope that one day we're going to launch her into the world and give her away. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the beautiful and painful part of parenting is that, you know, it it's eventually not about us. It, it really is about them, right? Uh, Sam is six. And so he's really coming into his own and his own personality, um, which is super fun because mm-hmm. it, you know little you see little glimpses of a personality like like Trent you can see those little you can see some personality Mm -hmm. really coming out coming into his own and by six I feel like they've got the personality they're not just mimicking you as much like some of it is them some of it they just mimic what they see you do by six they really are thinking and he says things clever and has interest and tries to explain Minecraft, which if you want to just have your head spin on a swivel, ask a six-year-old <laughs> to explain Minecraft. Yeah. Most mind-bogglingly confusing thing you've ever yeah. <laughs> Um
1: I will say... But,
0: oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 well, no, you go.
1: I was thinking in terms of, you know, when you hit this middle age number with children is one thing, but we also have... You know, our parents who are older yeah. and that dynamic changes too. And that's all a part of family. And I think the lessons being learned is, you know, we're now in a more responsibility role for mm-hmm. the well being and caretaking of, you know,
0: our parents also. Yeah. So we're preparing to be in that, they call it yeah. a, like a sandwich generation Mm -hmm. and you're sandwiched between caring for kids who haven't quite grown up and caring for parents who are aging yeah I'll tell you one thing I know about you you talk about parents that has been weird for me when you're a kid your parents are larger than life I wrote this down as a note yeah 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 they're 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 larger than life and their friends Mm -hmm. are larger than life and it is it is just the damnedest thing to be near 40 and all of a sudden you're like Mom's old and her friends are old.
1: Yeah. See, well, and, I was thinking of it there. in there. a slightly different way is I always looked up to my parents and my parents' friends, and they did so much. But um, and this is nothing on parents. I'm one now, but man, they're all human. Like they oh, all yeah, make oh, mistakes. Yeah. They all like I'm everyone's <laughs> doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah. And that's nothing wrong with how I was raised or it's just now that I'm in that same role, I'm like, wow, like we are just doing what we can. And that's wonderful.
0: Yeah. And, and and that's a great point. You know, that that's part of that realization in, in, in the recovery world. We call it right sizing mm-hmm. where, you know, our egos tend to make us think we're bigger than we are, or you go the opposite way and think everyone hates you. So you become smaller than you are. Right sizing is just being who I am exactly mm-hmm. as I am. Yeah. And it is crazy because you've had this elevated view of your parents and then you get to be one yourself or, or just you know, an adult. Yeah. 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 Or you're the age that they were when you remember being mm-hmm. this age and looking up at them and, and you realize, man, they faked it for years. They yeah. were just trying to figure it out themselves. Yep.
1: Yeah, Cause I'm faking it like too. Said,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like you said, they're just doing the best they could with the light they have. Mm-hmm. Um, And the best we can do is parent our kids the way we were parented. And some of that is bringing forward good things. Mm -hmm. And some of that right sizing is saying, how do I reconcile that I can love my mom and dad, whoever raised me, but recognize their humanness and say, but I'm going to reject certain things that I just don't want to raise my kid this way. Like one thing in my household was that we communicated through yelling. Mm-hmm. It was a very, my parents got divorced. So it was just a very angry home. But it was a lot of communication of just outbursts of anger and frustration and things like that. And and we don't yell in my house. We mm-hmm. don't yell at our kids. Now, it's mm-hmm. not to say my mom's a terrible person or that my dad, I mean, they had their struggles, yeah. but they're human. Yeah. And we just, you know, some things, and I'm sure someone in their household growing up yelled. And that's why yeah. they did. We tend yeah. to bring that we
1: have that similar realization and I think this will actually lead into our next topic Mm -hmm. that we're going to talk about about marriage but that's a conversation that my husband and I have had based on what we want to do what we want to emulate and what we want to improve upon how our parents raised us Um, and we've had those conversations about okay we want to be more cognizant about being present and being there physically for Trent Mm -hmm. Um, whereas you know his parents, you know, work or priorities, you know, like which one comes first type thing is basically what, but let's go into marriage now and adulting. You've been married for 17 years wow. and I've been married for seven. Wow. So we are like, I mean, 10 year difference with a partner, um, plus however many years before that. So what are some adulting and lessons that you feel now
0: yeah we could almost break this into a whole nother episode um (laughs) you so you've hit your you have hit the official we're not we're not newlyweds anymore oh yeah you all have we are settled in this is this is like a marriage now correct I always tell couples in premarital counseling like you know that you've settled in when someone asks you how long have you been married and you have to like think about it for a second Go yeah (laughs) seven years yeah yeah seven Like, oh, okay, we've been together a while now because, you know, newlyweds are like, oh, two years and four months and eight days. (laughs) Nah, nah. Um, 17 years, I'll quickly rattle off a few things that I'm learning. One Mm -hmm. is communication is and always will be the number one important goal between a couple. Mm -hmm. Agreed. You must communicate with each other, especially about difficult things. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, marriage is a choice if not every day through seasons of life Mm -hmm. and it gets easy to think that you just assume you're going to be there together but you have to remember we're still choosing actively choosing each other and if you Mm -hmm. forget that you're actively choosing each other then then a then a, a rift will will inevitably come yep Another thing, and this is after seven almost 17 years really hitting me. You're not only marrying the person you married on your wedding day, you're marrying the person that they become 10 years later, 20 years later, because we all change. Correct. And one of the reasons I think marriages struggle to survive long term is you eventually both evolve into two people that if you're not that, that that you just don't know how to connect the way that you did when you were two different people 30 years earlier or mm-hmm. 10 years earlier or whatever yep. it is um and so you have to love the person not that they were but the person that they are today and who they're becoming and that's exactly right and choose to to say i'm going to be with this person as they become something new yeah. um Practically speaking, date each other Mm -hmm. all the time Um, and going back to kids. Someone told me this and I I tell other, in fact, I told a couple this the other day. They're sending their kid off to camp for the first time. Only child. Mom's feeling mom guilt because mom and dad have decided to sneak off while they're gone and, and go on a trip. Mm hmm. And I said, that is crazy. The best gift, and someone told me this, the best gift you can give your children is a healthy marriage. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. And as a child
0: of of a divorced couple, Mm -hmm. I can tell you the best gift that that you can give your kids is a healthy marriage. So continue dating each other and making each other a priority. Also, because I've known couples in churches that they are fabulous parents together. And they're mm-hmm. fabulous at raising their kids. And then they get their kids out of the house and it's 25 years later. And they exactly. look at each other going, who in the heck are you? What do we do? Yeah. What do we do with each other? Like, yeah. and it's hard, empty mm-hmm. nesting is hard. So those are yeah. quickly some, some yeah. major things. What about you? I have two,
1: I think the first one is that the partnership always comes first. So beyond mm-hmm. kids, and that's part of what you just said. Um, once the kids are gone one day, you're gonna be left with your partner. I think making sure that you both are on the same team no matter what and have the best interest for the other person and for the team as a whole. Um, and that's regardless of extended family or friends or whatever, but you Boy, and your partner come first. Um, there's
0: a reason in scripture that it says that that they the two become one and they yeah. go create another. You, you yep. leave your family behind.
1: Yep. And then my other one is, this is something I believe, and I know some people would disagree, but I do not believe that your spouse should or has to be your best friend. I think you need to be a whole person in addition to your partner. And there are certain things that my partner cannot fulfill, nor would I expect him to, um, to help fulfill other parts of me like that other friendships would have that you know female friendships can communicate with and not that you just need someone to go I'm not saying go talk trash about your partner to someone else but you know there are always things that someone else can fulfill like my husband cares so little about celebrity gossip or books that I'm reading but I like really, really care about that kind of stuff. And so I need a best friend and someone that I can bring those other parts of me that are complete um, to help uplift all of me. So I I am in the camp that I do not believe that your partner needs to be your best friend or should be your best friend. I think there is still a whole person as a part of that team.
0: At the very least your partner cannot be all things to you. Correct.
1: Yes. Because
0: yes thomas is my
1: favorite person absolutely and then you're putting so much pressure on that person to always be exactly what your whole self identity so and
0: and guess what happens when they can't be a lot of resentment and you resent them and 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 guess where the heart of resentment tends to lie not in them in you in
1: you yeah
0: my unrealistic expectations of other people yeah. that cause me to resent. Them, they can't live into those unrealistic expectations. Yeah. It's born in me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: like what, what, what do I need to do to sift through that? And like you said, to be a person wholly separate, who then chooses to be mm-hmm. with them in yep. marriage. Yeah. Great lesson. So,
1: yeah. So those are, I know some people disagree with that, but that is my hot take for today. Leave you a know. comment
0: on social media disagree. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I'll, I'll
1: get you for it. Um yeah. okay, and then let's chat about friendships. Um yeah, so which kind of goes it. into that friendships. You know, one thing that um when becoming an adult, and I I know a lot about friendships, I care a lot about friendships, a lesson learned is there is a season and a reason for different friends. And Don't hold on to people that maybe don't fit or are, you know, toxic or just it's okay to lose touch with some friends in different phases and expectations. And that is super okay. You know, that doesn't take away from the time that you had together at all. But sometimes in different seasons and different reasons, there are other people that can step in and be that important relationship for you.
0: Yeah, I think that's. I think it's a great lesson. I, I'll tell you, this is a hard topic for me because by midlife, friendships are really hard, mm-hmm. and a couple of reasons I think for that. One is you do it does take so much energy to be a family and take care of your kids. It's hard to have friends outside of the family.
1: Yeah.
0: Other and you know another thing is. Um, I'm a pastor of a church, which means we are incredibly social and have a, have a social network. It's hard to have friends beyond that because that feels like even more energy. Yep. Um, Then there's the whole awkwardness of like, when you're in college or you're single, there's like, okay, I can be friends one-on-one. Then you get in a couple, then you're like, well, we got to have couple friends, which means Mm -hmm. that the two of us have to get along with the two of you. Yeah. When you add kids to the mix, then you're like, well, now the three or four of us have to. And that's even harder to find a match. Yeah. So like you said set, learning how to separate some things out is probably. Yeah. Um, good. Also, women are a lot better than men at cultivating friendships.
1: You Yes. Nail on the head. My husband and I have talked recently. He just doesn't feel like he has friends or he can't he hangs out socially with a lot of people and talks to a lot of guys, but he's just like, I don't really think I have any friends. And so it's this, you know, women are very natural. Like I have a bunch of people I could text right now and, you know, do all this stuff. And it's, it is different with men. So.
0: Well, and I'll tell you, I see the the end result that often happens is an older couple. When the wife passes first, the husband often does one of two things they either remarry very quickly yeah because they're lonely and don't have a social network or two they die mm-hmm. the flip side of that is and, and you say well women, women are, live well,
1: forever
0: well I've known women who've lost husbands 25 years yeah a whole generation and they'll tell you they miss their husband and they might get remarried at some point but a lot of these women have a way of like, no, heck no. I got a travel buddy here. I got a best yeah. friend there. I got the ladies at church. Like we mm-hmm. go to lunch. And yeah. Women just know how to build a life yeah. differently and better. So I've I, I, I've had this ongoing concern and I live it that men are not good at building relationships. And a lot of it is good relationships require vulnerability
1: mm. mm-hmm. and
0: women for whatever reason have an easier time I feel like being vulnerable with each other, whereas men, it's hard to crack that surface because we don't know how to talk football to a point of going, now, what are my hopes and dreams? Yeah. You know, (laughs) how can I help build upon this? We can talk about, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you can genuinely say, I like them. Yeah. But but how do you take that relationship, that friendship to to the next level? A A couple of my best friends are pastors. Mm Mm-hmm. Part of that is we can share similar experiences, but I think through our training and and life with people, we also because we a lot of us we don't talk about ministry much yeah. at all, but we can talk about other shared interests and and care about each other. We can talk about mental health, yeah, with each other mm-hmm. and hopes and fears and things like that. So. But I wish that I had more friendships. I'm starting to wonder if we don't reach an age in adulthood that the object is not to have as many friends as possible, but to have a few deep friends. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. No, I agree
1: completely. So let's take a quick pause um, because based on the time we've hit three, I think another three that we have would be great for a follow-up episode. The other three topics we want to hit on are work, spiritual, and self but let's wrap this podcast episode up and thank you all for joining us today on faith revisited if you have any lessons learned or adulting realizations that you've had please let us know in the comments or reach out to ben and i on social media you know we're everywhere now right threads and twitter and instagram and
0: facebook and
1: all all of it it. do you have a Substack yet is that
0: no i've been toying (laughs) with it though
1: So you can find us everywhere. So thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of the Faith Revisited podcast.